Are you a grieving mother waking up every day in pain or finding yourself restless with discomfort at night? In this episode, we are going to talk about chronic pain after pregnancy and infant loss. Welcome to the Pause to Remember podcast. My name is Amy Pelkey. I'm a practicing CRNA yoga teacher and mother to one son here on earth and one daughter who was stillborn. If you are a healthcare provider who has experienced pregnancy or infant loss, this podcast is for you. My goal is to offer resources, conversations, and mindfulness-based grief tools to help providers like you build the courage to acknowledge and process your emotions, the strength to carry your grief, and resilience so you can preserve your career, relationships, and overall well-being while honoring the memory of your baby. I want to assure you that you are not alone in your grief. I am thankful that you are here today. Let's begin. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's guest is Macy Guisto. She earned her Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology from Penn State. And then she continued her education at Thomas Jefferson University, earning her Doctor of Physical Therapy in 2020. She currently works full-time as a physical therapist and has a desire to help moms and people suffering from chronic pain. In Macy's free time, she enjoys baking, running, doing DIY projects at home, and preparing for her upcoming wedding. Welcome, Macy. Thank you so much for having me and providing me with this opportunity to chat with this close-knit community about some really important topics, Amy. I'm excited. Yes. Well, thank you. It's an honor to have you here, Macy. So let's just dive in here. You want to talk about your desire to speak to women who've experienced loss or infertility and what got you kind of on the chronic pain pathway and serving this group of people and moms? Absolutely. So I think it was kind of the perfect marrying of personal with professional. In my personal life, I have an older sister. She's 13 months older than me, and she really struggled to get pregnant. So many rounds of Clomid, two rounds of IVF, with the first round really being heavy for her, not resulting in pregnancy. And then finally, her second round resulting ultimately in the beautiful baby girl that she has now, Lainey. Seeing that amount of loss and emotional toll that that took on her really kind of fueled my fire to help new moms or those struggling with loss or infertility, as well as pairing that with chronic pain. Chronic pain, we can have emotional overloading that actually manifests as somatic pain. So being really well-placed as a physical therapist, I feel like my professional degree, as well as my personal passion, is a perfect pathway for me to help women in need. Beautiful. So you want to talk a little bit about um, chronic pain, say, after a traumatic delivery, after a C-section, that sort of thing, some of the things that you have seen or learned about? Absolutely. So I love this question. Again, as women, our bodies should be celebrated. But again, we all know that our body goes through huge changes when we're going through pregnancy, carrying a baby for nine months. Not only hormonally we're going through changes, but our musculoskeletal system goes through huge changes. And then also, again, that emotional loading, you'll see, I'll keep mentioning that today, the emotional pressures of becoming a new mom, caring for a whole nother human, that's huge. 
And then on top of that, the possibly traumatic event of labor and delivery, which I think is very stress-inducing for a lot of mothers. It can be scary, fear of the unknown and what might happen. So I want to tell you a little bit of a story about how chronic pain can start. And this is for anyone, but let's kind of specifically apply it to the labor and delivery in the postpartum period. Many people, labor and delivery, to add to that emotional load, can end in a stillbirth for some women or their baby passing in the NICU you know, shortly thereafter. So for these people that may be listening, that emotional load is like a huge double whammy on top of the physical and emotional journey of being pregnant and delivering. Absolutely. And then kind of seeing our body in the aftermath too after that, I can't even fathom the amount of immense toll that that can take emotionally after a loss like that. So let's kind of walk through that a little bit so we can get a better understanding of what happens not only physiologically, but especially to our nervous system. Let's imagine we went through, it can be either a vaginal delivery or a cesarean. That is kind of, I call it a controlled trauma to the body in the pelvic region. So there is usually either with a cesarean, there's an incision or a vaginal delivery. There's, you know, some changes going on in the pelvic region as well. So our body's primary concern is again, to make sure that we are having threat appraisal and making sure we survive. So what happens is when we have that pelvic pain going on in the postpartum period, those signals travel up our nerves to our spinal cord and to our brain. And our brain says, hey, there is some pain going on in the pelvic region. Let's make sure we know about it so we can heal appropriately over time. Now, this should happen when natural healing occurs over, you know, weeks and months. Pain should go down from, for example, 10 out of 10 in your first day postpartum and go down to maybe a five out of 10 in the coming weeks. And then eventually all the way down to a zero out of 10, which is perfect. That's what we want to happen. But a lot of times we know that's not what happens, right? Pain is not really a linear thing. And it doesn't necessarily mean that our tissues aren't completely healed. It means that our nervous system, that brain and our nervous system kind of appraises that there's still a threat going on to our body. And it wants to protect us, which is a beautiful thing. But when this is left unchecked, things that were no previously not painful to us become painful, like light touch potentially around our incision or even standing up and walking. Now those things become immensely painful because our alarm system believes that they're threatening to us. And I call that kind of a flip of the switch. Our alarm system goes into that extra sensitive mode. That's kind of the easiest way to conceptualize it, that hypersensitive mode that everything that's input into the body in terms of movement or sensory becomes very, very painful. And the pain is very real. I can't overstate that enough. The pain is very, very real that you're experiencing. One of the biggest questions I get, Amy, is why does this happen, right? And how often does it happen? What happens? when we flip that switch to extra sensitive mode. So it actually happens in one in four people, 25% of people get you know, that alarm switched over. And things that we know create a heightened risk for developing chronic pain are things like emotional overloading or a trauma as the result of an injury, like a motor vehicle accident, a fall, or again, labor and delivery or loss, huge emotional loads. And those stressors kind of amp up that alarm system. 
But the good news is there are so many people, especially in healthcare, that are really well positioned to help you through that so that we can decrease the frequency of development of chronic pain, as well as if you are struggling with it, helping you to get back kind of in the driver's seat of your life, give you control again. That makes perfect sense. So if you think about the postpartum period and chronic pain, are there a few types of chronic pain that you notice after delivery, whether it's C-section or vaginal delivery that tend to be the most common, whether it's back pain, incisional pain from the C-section, that sort of thing? Absolutely. I would say you probably hit on the two there that are pretty key. So incisional pain after cesarean is really, really common. Um, and there's a physiological reason for it. And I like to explain this to patients, as well as my awesome colleague, Tyra. She's a pelvic floor specialist, and she's amazing. We often actually co-treat together. She will treat people for you know the more pelvic health centric things. And I will treat people in terms of the chronic pain lens, which is a beautiful pairing. So after that cesarean across that scar, what happens is there is severance that happens of really superficial and even deeper nerves. Um, and when those nerves are severed, there is this kind of ectopic firing that wouldn't happen if those nerves were still intact. And that causes a lot of discomfort, pain, swelling, and can kind of last a very long time because the physiology of nerves is they take a long time to heal. But the more we can do to desensitize that area by potentially doing some scar tissue massage, soft tissue mobilization, and then also, again, managing those stressors, those things that tend to be a trigger for that incisional type of pain flaring up. Those two kind of pairings, the physical as well as the psychological treatment are huge. And then I would say definitely for vaginal or cesarean type of delivery, most Often in women, I see chronic low back pain or kind of wrapping around to the hip region is probably the most common pain area that I see that lasts even for months and years after delivery. When you have somebody who has chronic low back pain, what approach do you typically take when you are trying to help them through that? Absolutely. I love this question. And it's something I get so frequently because it's chronic pain is kind of like an onion. There's so many layers to it. You peel it back and there's something new and you peel it back and then there's something new again that, and you keep kind of addressing things in different iterations, having these really close conversations with every patient. So the first thing I try and do on day one, when a patient comes in struggling with chronic pain is we sit down and we just have a really open conversation, depending on what the person's comfortable sharing. As a physical therapist, the beauty of it is I see people for a lot of sessions typically, and they might become more and more comfortable sharing. And I love that. That's something I really cherish. And I value a lot that people are vulnerable and open up to me. And that's actually one of the reasons why I love treating chronic pain. So I want someone on day one to sit down with me and share their story. Tell me, you know, what have you been through, not only physically in your body, but also psychologically that you feel like is contributing to where you're at now with your function and your movement and your pain? So we, I listen to that story. And then it's my job to kind of prompt people to 
make that connection between the overloading of emotions with the manifestation of physical pain, which is a little bit hard to bridge that gap because I feel like our medical system is really heavily focused on the physical, but that psychological and emotional loading is almost more important in my mind. We physically want to get you moving and that's beautiful, but we have to sometimes address those psychological things first. So I have a couple of key steps that I usually kind of tell people that they want to do if they're dealing with chronic pain. My first thing is I want to reassure that person, give them grace, right? Say, give yourself some grace in this. Your body is working as hard as it possibly can. It's wanting to protect you. You're going through a process right now that's really, really tough to walk through. And I want to kind of take your hand, hold your hand through this and be that person that can be your go-to, whether they have a really supportive family or they don't feel like they have someone, just having that go-to person as a third party is really, really beneficial. So just kind of give yourself that space to say, hey, I'm doing the best I can. And then after that, I always say, try and build yourself a support system, right? Try and share with people as comfortable as you are feeling vulnerable. Share with your loved ones, share with your family, share with your medical providers what you're going through, right? That you're really struggling so that you can create this kind of team of superheroes behind you. The more support we have, the better we're going to feel. I say building a support system is kind of building yourself like a trap door, an escape door, right? That if you're having a really, really bad chronic pain day, you say maybe my spouse or my mother or my mother-in-law or my sister could help me with all the things that I need to get done today. So that's kind of like your superpower, right? That you have there as building a support system. And the next two things are a little bit more nuanced and they might look different for every person and that's okay. This is my favorite one to tell patients is do something for yourself every day. And I think this applies really well to a grieving parent after loss, a mother in the postpartum period. It's really easy as, again, I always say to the matriarchs of the family to put ourselves on the back burner, right? We're last in line to have our needs met. So every day, just prioritize doing one small thing for yourself, even if it's showering, even if it's blow drying your hair, even if it's going for a brisk walk, talking to a friend, reading a couple pages in a book listening to a song you love and dancing around the kitchen. Do something that you know will bring you joy. And I people sometimes will, you know, kind of pass that off and say, okay, easy for you to say. But I will tell people this physiological reason why I recommend that. It's not just because it helps us feel good. It's also because we have really strong endogenous opioids in our brain. So that's kind of that feel-good hormone that's released that I'm sure everyone's heard of that gets released when we have a runner's high, right? We release these feel-good hormones when we do something that we love. And those painkillers that come from our nervous system inside our body is much, much stronger typically than anything that could even be prescribed to you. So just prioritizing doing something that you love. And then last but not least, of course, since I'm a physical therapist, getting moving little bit by little bit. Meet yourself where you're at and what your body can do, and then build from there. For example, if you feel like you can do a light stretching routine, start there. If you feel like you can take a five-minute walk, start there. And over time, you can build so your body can tolerate more, and your nervous system's threat appraisal to movement will go down and your pain will go down. But again, this is a really hard 
thing for people to do. And that's where physical therapy comes in. And I come in, I help guide people to find out, okay, where's my entry point to be able to do that without getting a huge flare up in my pain or having that continuation of fear of movement because that pain cycle will kind of continue. So again, usually for that piece, I'll recommend people come to me to find a starting point and then kind of build from there. That makes perfect sense. And I think when you are in the midst of an emotional roller coaster, being able to tease out what you can do physically might be clouded by those emotions. And so having somebody like you, who is a neutral person who can be a little bit more objective because you don't have the emotional overload and you are looking through a different lens that helps the person figure out where a good starting point is. And then they're guided by you to keep adding to that. And then sometimes it just takes somebody to say, look, look what you have accomplished in a week. Look what you've accomplished in a month, that sort of thing. So I can see how that would be very beneficial to somebody going through this. Absolutely, Amy. And I love that. I always am telling my patients constantly, this is a conversation I probably have three and four times every single day when I'm working with patients is, I see so much growth in you. I see huge improvements in you. And typically we can't really see it in ourselves because we live in our body every day. So we don't have that, you know, perspective as an outsider, but I'm there to give you that support. And I always tell my patients, I'm your biggest cheerleader and I'm always going to be there for you. Even if you have an off day, that's okay. That's life that happens with all of us. So I'm going to be there for you to even say, what can we do on your off days? that is going to get you just a little bit better, right? Just push through that little bit. And then also try and have that time of reflection to say, look at all that you've accomplished. That's beautiful. Are there a few contributing factors that you can identify that might predispose somebody to having a chronic pain response after a traumatic birth or a loss? Absolutely. So Chronic pain is such a complex multifactorial condition that someone might be dealing with. So there's no cookie cutter, one size fits all, but there's definitely some key risk factors that we can identify and say, hey, if you have these several things going on, you're going to be at much higher risk for having pain, not only acutely, but pain that lasts for a long period of time. So we want to be able to be really good at identifying them and then modifying them if, if we're able to at all. So some of the ones that I think particularly apply to women who are pregnant or postpartum or going through loss are the ones that we're going to cover. So the first one is lack of sleep or not getting enough sleep. Sleep is really restorative to our nervous system. It's kind of like hitting a reset button overnight. And if we aren't getting that sleep, then our nervous system can't have that beautiful reset and feel restful and ready to take on the day when we wake up. And again, this happens with a lot of women when they're pregnant, they have hormonal changes, their body's changing, they're not as comfortable. And then in the postpartum period, the amount of pressure that we're facing, not only to get up with the baby, but also to step into this new role as a mom, or again, to deal with that maybe emotional overload of loss if we're dealing with that. 
So lack of sleep can be an amalgamation of several factors going on. But if we can kind of identify that lack of sleep and try and give you a couple of things, a wind down routine at night to get more restorative sleep, even if it's not more hours of sleep, but better quality sleep, that's going to be huge in minimizing your risk for developing chronic pain. The next one would be, again, that emotional overloading. I keep mentioning that today. So high levels of stressors in women will increase that risk of developing chronic pain. I kind of mentioned the immense amount of pressure that we're under as women to not only, you know, create a new tiny human, but also to kind of run the household typically and things like that. So that emotional overloading of maybe dealing with loss as well can lead to that nervous system being on high alert because it's going to perceive more of a threat if we're always in this high state of stressors. I usually will describe this to people as the two states of the nervous system, one being rest and digest, which we should be in when you know we're going through our day-to-day life. We might go into the other version, the fight or flight, when we're dealing with stressors. And that's okay. That's a normal part of life. But we shouldn't live in a chronic state of fight or flight because that upregulates our stress hormones and chronic pain kind of feeds off of that. So those are two of the things. And then other stressors, especially for, I think, mothers or expectant mothers or after a loss that we face are financial worries, right? Am I going to be able to go back to work with the psychological distress I'm I'm under? Am I going to be able to go back to work with a new baby? How long is my maternity leave? All of these things really kind of play into the financial worries or the worries about work. And then last but certainly not least in terms of stressors is those relationship stressors. Again, maybe with our partner, with our family, we're going through such a hard time. We need to prioritize ourselves, but that makes it a little bit hard for our other relationships. And then some of the other ones are being a little bit more physical is being heavier weight when we go into pregnancy actually puts us at higher risks for having continued pain. And most people think of the physical implications of, you know, the weighing on our musculoskeletal system, but also we need to think about the hormonal changes that that has too on our body. If we tend to eat a higher fat diet and we're more sedentary, We're going to have more stress hormones like cortisol. And again, chronic pain feeds off of that. So that's another thing to think about. A couple other things more labor and delivery related is cesarean sections typically lead to more chronic pain. Having an induced labor also leads to more development of chronic pain and actually use of an epidural during um, labor and delivery, which I thought was a really interesting one through some of the research I found. Yeah, I think with the epidural, sometimes it becomes a positioning thing. They're numb. And so when they're up in stirrups, they can't tell that there is pressure on the nerves in a way that Mm -hmm. is painful. So they don't have that ability to say, oh, I need to shift my hips or I need to like have you lower my feet or something. And so then you may have more of a chance to have an injury. That is one thing that I can think of from that point of view. A couple of things that I just want to highlight for healthcare providers who are grieving after pregnancy or infant loss is the emotional overloading. So we are currently in a situation where we're short-staffed. And so there's that pressure to return to work. And so that's another emotional load to bear 
when you have to set boundaries on top of RA grieving and say, no, I need my full maternity leave because my milk is coming in. My hormones are shifting. I need some time for my pelvic floor to recover. And so on top of grieving, now you're having to advocate for yourself. And then the second part is once you go back, many providers have delivered where they work. So just walking through the door is a reminder of their loss, being called to take care of a pregnant patient, being called to go to NICU, being, you know, whatever it is, there's triggers all around you. So I think that that is a unique thing for this demographic that some other people wouldn't have to experience just by the nature of our work. The other thing is after a loss, the friction that can come from partners grieving differently can really create a lot of relationship challenges. So that's another thing that I would just mention. And then finally, because of being short-staffed, I think that some providers are being pushed to pick up extra shifts and, and pick up a little overtime or to work a little bit later. So work instead of working a 10-hour shift, you're working a 12-hour shift or that sort of thing. And then that makes it more challenging to say, no, I need to go to the gym. No, I need time to pack my lunch so that I can eat a healthy meal. And so then you're talking about weight and how you're nourishing yourself and how that all plays into chronic pain. And specifically for healthcare providers, we're trained to care for others and not for ourselves. So having somebody like you to be a cheerleader, an advocate, however you want to phrase that can be really important as you're trying to work through the pain of the loss emotionally, but then the pain of the loss physically. Absolutely. I think you make such relevant points, especially uniquely for this population of healthcare providers. I think, you know, walking through even, like you said, the location of where maybe this traumatic event happened to you is so immensely triggering. And then all of those layers on top of it, prioritizing ourselves other over being a caretaker of others is huge. That's really challenging, you know, as both of us sit here as healthcare providers, as women, I think it's really challenging. And then the layer of grieving loved ones around you too, for the loss that they've underwent as well. So something I haven't touched on that I would love to kind of segue into here is I think I love working with patients, but again, my um, scope of practice is there's limitations to that, which we all have. So I think having some psych on board here too, psychiatrist, psychologist, counselor, um, what have you, to help someone, again, walk through these emotions, learn how to process things, learn how to process potentially even with loved ones, like in something like family therapy, can be hugely beneficial and is in fact something I often recommend for my patients to do as well. I get the question a lot and I have to kind of have myself a chuckle. They say, do you have a training in psychology? <laughs> and I say, no, not, not, you know, officially, but it is something that I believe the, you know, physical with the emotional and mental is so closely intertwined that you have to be addressing both to see the fullest potential of your progress that you can. So that's another really important thing that I haven't hit on. Yes. That I think people should know. The mind-body connection cannot be overlooked, especially when you are dealing with something traumatic. I mean, I just think it becomes that much more important. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. We have covered a lot here in a very short amount of time. This is wonderful. Are there any other things that you feel like we need to touch upon that would be helpful for people to consider if they are experiencing chronic pain? Yeah, I think there was just a couple other things that I wanted to mention. I think the most overwhelming thing for individuals struggling with chronic pain and loss, again, this emotional overloading is how do we make a plan? Where do we start? And I think just getting you a team of loved ones, healthcare providers to make a plan for you and be that touch point can be so important. And if I had to say prioritize three things right now is one, giving yourself grace, two, trying to get yourself moving, and then three, having um, a way to manage stressors. And again, just having a team of people who are going to facilitate that is, again, the most important thing, whether physicians, psychiatrists, physical therapists, your loved ones, just create that team around you so that you have that support built in. I would say that's the biggest take home that I would, would want anyone struggling with chronic pain to have. Create that system for yourself so that you have the best chance you can in regaining control of your life again. I oftentimes will tell people, we don't want pain in the driver's seat of your life or the CEO of your body. We want Macy to be that or Amy to be that. We want you to be the own CEO of your body and your life. So CEOs need support. We need those people around us, right? To create that beautifully running business machine that is our body. Absolutely. And I think too, as a little reminder to people, sometimes it is trial and error to figure out what is going to be best to manage those stressors. So for one person going to therapy every week is a perfect complement to managing that stress. But for others, maybe going to the yoga studio two or three times a week and being in community with others, or it's having a massage once a week, or knowing that you have date night with your spouse once a week, or whatever it is, and not to get discouraged if what you try this week or this month isn't the right fit for you, it's okay. You have the option to pivot and try something different. And having that team to help notice what might be working better than something else can be very helpful to just be almost like a mirror and reflect back to you what they're observing. Absolutely. And there's so many iterations of things that we can do to help manage our emotions and help keep ourselves in the best space that we can. Like you had mentioned, so many fabulous recommendations of things to try. But again, it's kind of like um, trying on a new wardrobe, right? We might try something on and say, no, that doesn't work. That doesn't work on me. And then we try something else and we might say, oh, this is a little bit better. This is an upgrade. And then we might throw something on. We say, wow, this is the perfect fit. And that might change over time too, as we go through different seasons of life. So again, just give yourself that grace to change. Change is a hard thing sometimes, but something beautiful that we can also learn to embrace the changes within ourselves and kind of those roles we walk through in life. Perfect. Where can people find you, Macy, if they are curious about learning from you or working with you? Absolutely. So for pain coaching, you can visit my Instagram at paincoachmacy, that's P-A-I-N-C-O-A-C-H and then M-A-C-Y on Instagram. You can direct message me on there 
or you can email me directly. And I am a crazy person when it comes to checking my email. I check it all the time. So my email is Macy, M-A-C-Y dot gusto, G-U-I-S-T-O at gmail.com. Or for physical therapy services, you can visit wansettlerpt.com. And I do telehealth or in-person visits. And we can kind of get you on the right path in terms of movement as well. And I like to make it easy for everybody to find you. So I will put all of those links in the show notes. So all anybody has to do is scroll down, click on those links, and they will get connected directly to you, Macy. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you again so much for having me, Amy, and allowing me to speak to this um, lovely community that you've built here. Absolutely. It's been an honor to have you here. Thank you for your expertise and your time, Macy. When we are in the midst of grieving, finding the providers we need to help support us can feel like a big challenge. For those of you who are experiencing chronic pain after loss, I hope the information Macy offered helps you in a couple different ways. First, the importance of recognizing that you need help and taking the time to get the care you need. As healthcare professionals, we are trained to care for our patients. This is the time to pivot and care for yourself. You're worth it. Next, providers like Macy are out there and available to you. Macy mentioned a telehealth option of working with her if you do not have a specialist in your area. For those of you who are struggling with pelvic pain, incontinence, discomfort with sex, or other pelvic floor issues, Macy mentioned her colleague, Tyra Abdallah, who is a pelvic floor specialist. Tyra was featured in episode 18, and I will put a link to the episode in the show notes. I want to mention that Macy and Tyra frequently work together to help women with some of these unique and complex pelvic floor and pain issues. Don't hesitate to reach out to one of them if you're not sure who to turn to or if you want to work with them. Not only are they both passionate about helping any patient in their care, they both have a real soft spot for supporting healthcare providers who are experiencing challenges in their health and well-being. In closing, Pause to Remember is a community to support providers just like you who are grieving after pregnancy or infant loss. Free offerings for you include the virtual support group that meets the second Monday of every month at 7.45 p.m. via Zoom, the Facebook group, and connecting with me if you would like a little one-to-one support. Everything in the Pause to Remember community is dedicated to female-licensed healthcare providers who experienced a stillbirth, infant loss, miscarriage, molar ectopic pregnancy, C-section with hysterectomy, or had to terminate a pregnancy for medical reasons. Pause to remember is a place for you to come and realize that you are not alone on this journey. Please find links to everything discussed and offered today in the show notes. Again, a big thank you to Macy for sharing her expertise and time, and to you, the listener, for being here. Are you a healthcare provider grieving after pregnancy or infant loss? Is your grief threatening your career, impacting your relationships, or hurting your well being? Do you ever feel like you are going to continuously feel lost, overwhelmed, or lonely? What if you could start finding comfort with discomfort 
and gently honoring your feelings. A mindful prescription is a four-week course introducing you to meditation, yoga, and other informal mindfulness practices to help you build courage to acknowledge and process your feelings, strength to carry the weight of your grief, and resilience so you can create a new norm after loss. So instead of pasting a smile on your face, muscling your way through your day, or numbing yourself with junk food, alcohol, social media, or a super busy calendar, consider practicing some mindfulness, apply what you learn to your grief, and move through your grief while preserving the memory of your baby. This four-week course can be completed in a group format with other healthcare providers or one-on-one with me, Amy Pelkey, beginning in January, 2023. I am a CRNA, lost mom, and registered yoga teacher. For more information, including dates and times, click the link below for a mindful prescription. I hope to see you in January. Please help healthcare providers find the Pause to Remember community by going to Apple Podcasts to rate and review the Pause to Remember podcast. Sharing these episodes directly with a grieving healthcare provider or posting to your social media will also help spread the word about the resources and offerings being shared within the community. Thank you for your support of the work being done here.